Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. So, Chris, there's this thing I hear all about all of the time from everyone. It's a question they ask me, okay? No, it's not that question. It's a different question. It's, do you meditate? Liam, do you meditate? Do you meditate? What do you meditate with? How do you meditate? Guess what? I don't really, although that is technically like, because I kind of do meditate, I just don't sit there cross-legged on the floor and go, oh, <laughs> I lie on my back and think of England. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very active meditation, Liam. To answer your first question. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, active meditation <laughs> is to answer the second question. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I guess I don't really meditate. Um, I do practice yoga, which is not the same. Um, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I hate it when they conflate the two. I hate it when people <laughs> assume because you do yoga that you do all this Tibetan singing bowl, you know, bollocks, you know. It's stretching, right? Yoga for me is stretching. You do the cat-cow, yeah, okay. You know, we need to think of names for the different stretches, so why not use animal names? Because it makes sense. I mean, sure, that kind of looks like what a cat does when it scratches your carpet, doesn't it? (laughs) Don't really get the cow one mind, but some of them sound like, you know, what the animal kind of does. (laughs) But yeah, this yoga lark and meditation... Yeah. They don't always go hand in hand. They don't go necessarily hand in hand. I do do them in a very meditative way. Like, you know, I do the whole, um, you know, all of it pretty much with our eyes closed, even in the class, um, because I don't want to really think about what everybody else is doing. Um, it doesn't interest me. And the last thing you want to see is that big bird's arse in your face. The two rows in front of you. That seems to be swallowing the entire room. But other than that... Well, Karen. (laughs) Karen. (laughs) They're always called Karen. That's the thing, you do it as part of a class, though, don't you? Yeah. Do proper yoga class. I do a yoga class. I've got a very good teacher. I do one-on-one. See, I've never been one for groups. See, I do do one-on-one occasionally, but my regular class is a group so, um, I started a new, I started a different class yesterday. Um, we switched to, I would switched from the beginners session to a slightly more advanced session. Um, it's a lot, oh it's a lot faster. Um, Thanks, painful. So it was fine. Apart from I've got my hamstrings, uh, muscles are really short, so I struggle with some oh. of the stretches. Um, and actually yesterday in the kind of year and a half or so that I've been doing yoga now, um, it's the first time I've ever stopped in a session and gone, no, no, I can't do that. Um, like my body just went, no. Um, (laughs) so that was interesting. So next week will be great. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, yoga is yoga's different. Like I do, because obviously we still do the kind of warm down meditation at the end. So that's probably the closest I get to a meditation. But that's a, a guided 
kind of muscle relaxation thing rather than traditional meditation i guess so yeah see all i get is a fist bump and uh, fist bump and see you next time next week dude that's what i get <laughs> <laughs> so no one of my colleagues at work at the cult um he's a yoga instructor so i might go and try his well, sessions of course they would i mean you've got to have at least one yoga instructor working okay. at a cult he's the blacksmith oh okay yeah he's the blacks he's the blacksmith by trade but he's also a yoga instructor He's really cool. But yeah, so the... No, so back on the topic, sorry. We're, we're gossiping now rather than actually doing the podcast properly. Um, yeah. Meditation. Meditation. That's what this is supposed to be about. Most people use meditation as that kind of gateway to dream work and astral work, don't they? So where they want to... Practice. Where they want to get better control. That's like, that's like throwing the tennis ball against the wall. When they're supposed to be playing tennis. Yeah. I, I suppose. Do you think that's how they invented squash? <laughs> More than likely. I don't know the history of squash. Well, I, I think that... I think there was this loser that likes tennis and they were wanting to play with him. So he just used to hit the tennis wall against the wall. And then there was another loser that started copying him. Okay. And then they thought, wait a minute... There's two of us. Why don't we bounce the ball against the wall and fire it to each other? Well, we could just go play a game of actual tennis. But no, let's not do that. Let's continually invent our own game. Because if we invent our own game, we'll be masters at it. we definitely get gold then. Okay. So do do you want to actually explain the relevance to meditation there? No, I think they should go away and meditate on that. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? Because um, you're psychic. Right. <laughs> and you know me quite well. <laughs> so the, so yeah, so my, my, I'm, I'm fine with it being as part of a, uh, a practice, as long as you're pushing beyond that. Um, Obviously, visualisation can be quite important to some people's practice, especially when they're starting out, kind of being able to visualise and manifest in from a from a mind's eye perspective helps a lot of people working. I just don't feel that like a lot of things, people don't progress beyond it. So, you know, they do these meditations, but they don't or these visualisations but they don't necessarily push past into making it useful. Does that make sense? Yeah. So would you would you uh, say that meditation and visualisation is the same thing? I suppose yes and no, which I know is not an answer. Yes, in the sense that they they're kind of gateway drug to the neck, one to the other. Um, but no, in the sense of, I think they're very different actions, if that makes sense. I think meditation itself is about letting everything elsewhere disappear and actually going inward. 
whereas I don't find visualisation necessarily is. Visualisation is kind of mapping on top of reality. Does that make sense? Did any of that make sense? I think it makes sense to me. Um, I'm thinking in terms of the sort of techniques that we teach for helping start the psychic development process is normally visualization techniques and I see them different as you basically get someone into a calm state which is similar to meditation so that the unconscious mind can start to flow through and most of what you're seeing pretty much all of what you're seeing is shaped by the unconscious or the external side of things whereas what I tend to see with meditation is most of the time you're the one trying to follow like a story so like when you have these guided meditations you're listening to the person and you're following along and I find that that might be where some people go wrong because of course if they're told a meditation, imagine the fireball going up and down, all that sort of thing, then that's what they do. They go and do that. If you're taking part in an active, uh, sorry, a um, group meditation and someone's taking you through the process, you haven't got to think of the storyline. You know, you're no. just going along. It's passive, it? It's a lot like reading a book, I think, because you fill in, in your imagination, the stuff that's going on, but the book gives it that structure. structure. Whereas with visualisation, a lot of the time, people were, are told to visualise their spell work, which to me is kind of the equivalent of putting it down on paper. When you're visualising it, it means that you've got a mental picture of how the whole thing works and how it's supposed to, the end result comes. So I'm trying to think in terms of my personal approach to meditation, and I don't sit there cross-legged on the floor. I like active meditation. But for me, <coughs> it's not um, something that I put effort into. It's more of an accident. So if I'm too focused on something and it doesn't require my brain to think about it, then I slip into some sort of meditation or some sort of state. And if I don't decide what I'm going to start meditating on, things will come to my mind and I'll start to see stuff. And the, there's not like every day, because with this, what you do is you actually tune out, you can't really see. So it's like, almost like how you imagine things. If I say, imagine the front door of your house, you get that kind of image in your mind, but it's gonna be quite light. Whereas what I tend to do is I tend to completely slip in. It happens a lot when I'm driving as well, which is quite dangerous. And then it's only when something changes in the atmosphere around me that I flip back in. Mm. So I don't know. I class that as active meditation because I'm only doing that when I'm active. But people never really define what meditation is, do they? They all say they go and meditate, but are there lots of different ways to meditate? And are all these people really doing the same thing? I think with most people, they're going to do something they've either read somewhere else or something they've already always done. So either something that they started in childhood, didn't really think of it as that, and then later realised, oh, that's what other people call meditation. Or you have the other one, which is a learnt behaviour. So where they've 
gone seeking they've been told by their mate that meditation is good for them helps for x y and z um and therefore they should totally do it and then obviously they see all the myriad of of blogs and vlogs and youtube clips about various different kinds of uh, meditation that all kind of have the same feel they're all guided meditations in some way shape or form whether or not there are words in it it has either got music in the back in or something that is designed to guide you um whereas actually i think that's where some people struggle is kind of setting the the um the markers out for themselves so rather than being this passive follow along situation like you said reading a book or um you know where the, their mind is just having to fill the various blanks um or pauses or or whatever it is that's you know creating the rhythm in in the meditation or in lots of lots of people it's um going through these kind of mantras and techniques that they've learned specifically to repeat. Um, I don't think most people actually go and meditate in the traditional sense of the word, I guess. But maybe I'm wrong. It's just the people that I tend to work, have met and worked with, don't do what, you know, if you were to say what's on the tin. Um, I don't think it necessarily matches up to what people actually do. So a lot of people, much like I did really earlier, although it was kind of a joke, use terms in language or expressions and phrases, go and meditate on that. Kind of means go away and think about it, give it some yeah. thought. Yeah. So why do they use the term go away and meditate on that instead of go away and fucking think about it or I can't be bothered to explain this to you? Um, what is I think it that I, that word specifically resonates I think it, with? People? I think it's a mixed, I think it's a times thing. I think if actually you wouldn't have said that to someone else 50 years ago, if that makes sense, or kind of, you know, 100 years ago. 50 years ago, you kind of hit in the 60s, 70s. So, yes, you probably would. Kind of, it's one of these kind of post-New age kind of phrases that everyone uses borrowed from the anglicizing the east or at least that's my my take on that it's it's one of those words that's just become synonymous with deep thought isn't it meditation mm. deep thought you know actually taking a concept and spending time with it is essentially what it's supposed to do rather than I'll go think I'll go think about that um which has become more of a flippant phrase as which is a lot more sarcastic a while think about it you know rather than it actually being okay I'll go and give this some thought would work just right, as well I use it when I when I take the piss out of people that are a bit new aging and they say, oh, why are you doing that terrible thing? It's, it's, it's so nasty. And I say, 
girl away and meditate on that. Maybe this is supposed to happen. <laughs> and then they just like, oh, I need to go away and think about that because 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 I've not had to deal with this before. My whole life, my whole paradigm is going to shatter. So nine popular types of meditation practice, according to healthline.com. So you know this is legit, mate. There's a <laughs> mindfulness meditation. spiritual meditation, focused meditation, movement meditation, probably my favourite, mantra meditation, my least favourite, transcendental meditation, people, a lot lot of people use that term, a lot of people don't really understand it, progressive relaxation, loving kindness meditation, I've never even heard of that, and visualization meditation. So which one of those do you think we should unpack? Should we go through in order what they think and see whether we agree or disagree? (laughs) Sure, why not? Mindfulness meditation originates from Buddhist teachings and is the most, most popular meditation technique in the West because pretty much most of Western practice these days has got a colouring book from the East. <laughs> They've all got a colouring book. Yeah. In mindfulness meditation, you pay attention to your thoughts as they pass through your mind. All these people that can't make a decision, Chris, this is what, this is what they do. They think, oh, what does he think of me? Or... Should I get rid of him? <laughs> Didn't we used to call this procrastination? I think they used to call it procrastination. I think <laughs> nowadays it's a case of you need to be mindful of your own faults type new age bollocks. Mm. Right, let's skip to the next one. <laughs> this one could be interesting. Spiritual meditation. Spiritual meditation is used in Eastern religions such as Hinduism and Taoism. And in Christian faith, it's similar to prayer in that you reflect on the silence around you and seek a deeper connection with your God or universe. I don't think that's anything to do with prayer. Prayer is basically like when you sit on Santa's knee and tell him what you want for Christmas, except with prayer, you can do it all year (laughs) round. That's what I was under the impression prayer was about. (laughs) I think, I think truly... Prayer is supposed to be conversation with your deity, isn't it? One way. It's one way. It's like a baby monitor. Because, of course, all the people that pray are all babies. And then (laughs) the Jesus or whoever, they have the other, you know, the other end of the the baby monitor, the bit where it can't transmit messages back. Yeah. Oh, where they go, oh, they'll they'll self-soothe in a minute. They'll self-soothe in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, they're moaning now, but, you know... They'll be over it in a minute. I'll just tell them it's all part of my plan and it's fine. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't need to. The pastor's already done that. On to the <laughs> next one. What does Karen want? Oh, Karen wants... Oh, Karen's not very well. Oh, well. I suppose the best thing I can do is leave her and then she'll be with me. Because that's what they all seem to want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Sorry, well, they next don't on really the list. go into anything to do with spiritual meditation. They just pretty much leave it, leave it at that and then say leave it as essential oils are commonly used to, to heighten the spiritual experience. Because if you're stupid enough to fall for a lot of religions out there, you're stupid enough to buy into an MLM <laughs> essential oil company, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, one cult, another cult. Those two cults can often go hand in hand, unless you're Christian, because the Christians, they don't like uh, MLMs. They all say they're cults, don't they? <laughs> New Age slippery slope to the devil. <laughs> At least it smells Anything good. Anything to add for spiritual meditation, Chris? Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? I was trying to think when you said the first, when you said the list originally, I was trying to think what they meant by spiritual, because obviously all all of these can have a spiritual aspect to them. But I guess what they're trying to do is separate. Oh, OK, this is what they wanted. To, they didn't want to say the word prayer. So they because they knew prayer would upset the New Ages and therefore have called it spiritual meditation. Um, because I think actually you I don't consider that to be a type of meditation. It is just a intent of the actual meditation, yeah. isn't it? Rather than actually being a type, um, you know, because you could do active meditation and have a conversation with your deity, like, you know, a one way conversation with your deity. Like those, you know, active meditation is a type of meditation. And possibly feed your deity. Well, exactly. Exactly. Oh, they don't think about that, do they? Petitioning. While yeah. while at while exercising, it could be a sacrifice also. So the third one is called focused meditation. Focused meditation involves concentration using any of the five senses. For example, you can focus on something internal, like your breath, or you can bring in external influences to help focus your attention. So this whole breathing thing is often associated with a yoga and meditation and that. I'm thinking that this is more about paying attention, paying attention to your body and your body not yeah. doing a very good job naturally about doing stuff. Because I've done some breathing meditation stuff. Well, I say breathing meditation. I've been doing breathing exercises and I found that has made a difference with my breathing. And it's almost yeah. like... I told my body, well, I'm going to teach you how to breathe because you haven't done a very good job of learning how to breathe because you need <laughs> to breathe too shallow. So you need to yeah. breathe in a bit more. And I do find after doing the exercises, the breathing exercises, I take in deeper breaths naturally. Yeah. But then the body yeah. just does goes back to uh, breathing how it normally does. So you have to keep at it. So focused meditation. What's your idea of that? It does say try counting malabeads, but I'm suggesting you don't do that because if you do, people will take the piss out of you. <laughs> so movement meditation, although most people think of yoga when they hear movement meditation, this practice may include walking through the woods gardening blah 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 they're kind of grasping at straws to a certain extent but i would call this active meditation active meditation yeah this so is active meditation when you tell people that say mr chris i want to cast a spell 
and I'm going to do a charm bag and you say, well, think about what it is you want and then go for a walk and collect things for your charm bag. That would be classed technically as this because you're opening yourself up to being drawn towards things yeah. and picking them up, aren't you, with your little walk, collecting stones and plant yeah. matter and stuff. Yeah. So we also... utilise that. Yeah, and I, I also get people that aren't very good at meditation. So you get people that say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at visualisation work. I'm not very good at um, sitting there and trying to focus, you know, because, you know, so we have a fair, a fair amount of mentees and stuff that, you know, suffer with things like ADHD and stuff where their attention is not, um, they can't hold their attention for very long. So sitting down and doing a stat, bog standard meditation doesn't get them very far because, you know, um, something is then going to distract them and then they'll, they won't focus on the thing for long enough. Um, and I'll often get asked people whether or not they do some kind of active meditation. And obviously the answer is often, oh, what's that? Um, because I thought that was a really common thing, but clearly not necessarily. Um no, Where, I yeah. think in the West, people think of meditation as, oh, well, I live a hectic nine till five lifestyle, so I need to spend time not doing anything and calming myself. So it's more calm and soothing. Whereas active meditation yeah. for me is I need to multitask and I need to get stuff done. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. I need to I need to have that sense of peace and that movement and that, you know, taking care of my mental health. Mm. But I can I still need to stay busy. And I find that's what a lot of people miss on that. Actually, or like you, know, you said, with the ADHD and that, active meditation is better because it keeps you busy. So they allows your mind to go off. Yeah. You need to multitask because you process a lot yeah. of stuff constantly. So you need to keep that processing going on and on and on. So next we have mantra meditation and they've literally said it can be a word, phrase or sound such as the popular OM. So this is about us speaking it loudly or quietly, chanting a mantra, so saying something over and over again. When I curse people out, is that classed as a mantra meditation, Chris? Or is that just classed <laughs> as a curse? Um, I guess I guess you could argue that. Because um, I do I shout don't it loudly, and it does say I don't on particularly the description like, here. I don't like mantra work, I'm not going to lie. Um, but that's because I don't find hearing that sound come out of me work in the same way as it does. I would have more effect and be more effective at um not having a mantra and listening to a favorite song uh which is obviously what i normally talk about when you start playing with things like weather magic where you're yeah. trying to make use of a, a rhythm i find that far more effective personally than a mantra um one because they're words that i don't necessarily understand and therefore need to be taught how to use them um whereas you know if you're creating a mantra of your own then yeah i'm all behind that where you use a phrase but i find it too repetitive 
like that I struggle with. If you were to ask me to use a, a same set of mantras for 10 minutes, I would be bored out of my skull. Um, whereas I find words of power that one expressive version or two or three of rep that small repetition a far more appro effective approach but that's me personally you know actually thinking about designing the word phrase very short none of this you know uh, i drew it kind of bollocks I'd, i want literally short fast words that have meaning direct access spit those words out with the right energy behind it so you know shouting it aggressively cussing someone all the all the various different ones singing it you know whatever it is that uses that energy level which is what the mantra is supposed to be about right we are out of time for the regular edition of the podcast we will go into transcendental meditation in the patreon and a bunch of others because that'll be where the juicy stuff is so see you on the patreon Right, this Transcendental Meditation bollocks. What the fuck is all this about? Because it's some movement thing. Even they don't seem to know what it's about on Healthline, hence why it only gets like two lines. And it basically says, Transcendental Meditation is a popular type of meditation. This practice has been the subject of numerous studies in the scientific community. So basically, if you look on the Wikipedia... Transcendental meditation is basically I'm assuming, about I'm assuming. Healing, healing yourself and then reaching and accessing higher states of consciousness. I think this is where it all falls down because I think this is where New Agers think they're doing a magic. Yeah. And they're uh, carrying on with their great works and the like when in reality they ain't doing jack shit. Yeah, I think I think this is where this is where once upon a time. Well, I don't mean once upon a time because it does happen elsewhere. You know, this is the high level Buddhist shit where yes. they are trans um, transubstantiating themselves into to the point that they dissolve. You know, that kind of reducing movement up to the point that they transcend their actual body. Uh, and become a totally spiritual being that is you know whether the body itself mummifies itself you know that proper cool, cool shaolin monk and buddhist monk kind of shit where they've you know shed their skin their their physical shell um at the end of years and years of practice of deep meditation um like i said i'm i've said many times before on here I'm not a big fan of this whole let's not tread on the butterfly. Um, let's not cause any kind of action whatsoever until I dissolve away. I don't see personally there is any room in my personal practice for that kind of behaviour. Um, however, if you've got the beliefs that lead you to go in that direction, then fine, go and do it over there. Um, but it's not a practice that I... I'm going to be rude here and say, see any point to, um, because I struggle with that mentality, but maybe I've been around too long.
But what about Candice? What about Candice? Well, Candice is a woman. She had finished school and she thought she would go and do a degree in English because that's one of the degrees you do if you don't know what the fuck you want to do with your life. So she did her first year degree in English. She thought, this is far too much for me. I'm going on a gap year next year because I deserve it. And she goes off to the Far East on her gap year. And uh, some person that is uh, put a bed sheet on is pretending to be a guru. And it teaches her the mysteries of the yogis and of the gurus for whatever tourist money she's currently got on her. And then the candies has a great epiphany. Now she's learnt this transcendental meditation, you see. And she realises she don't want to do a degree in English. And she don't want to do that. So she goes back home after spending a few months in India or something. And then she comes back. She starts speaking to her friends and family slightly slower. <laughs> and <laughs> you know the type, Chris. And then, um, and then she opens a yoga studio and teaches transcendental meditation combined with yoga. And then her life goes to shit. But it's okay because she can meditate that away. Because even though she cannot pay her bills, and even though she ain't really doing a huge amount and a bad things happen, she has a Tibetan singing bowl that she bought when she was over there and brought it back. And she can, when things go wrong in her life, can sit back and just let it all go, you see? Oh, final repossession, bill not paid, I will let it go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> something else bad happening, the car's broken down, I will let it go. Transcendental meditation has allowed her to get to such <laughs> a level, she no longer washes properly. <laughs> She no longer has to worry about the mundane things in the world that everyone else worries about. You and mean she's even she, given up patchouli? She figures that if she buys everything, all of her clothes, and they're all baggy and tie-dye, she can wash them all together. She don't got to do a whitewash and a coloured wash, you see. And if the colours run, well, it don't matter. Because it's all tie-dye, you see, Chris. There we go. So what about okay. that? <laughs> Is well, that story that us... sounds familiar? Have you seen it a thousand <laughs> or more times? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's one of those... I'd, you missed out the bit where she becomes a tarot reader also. Because obviously she has to do her moon charts every week. And oh, her moon diaries. she comes back. Because, you see, after she yeah. comes back, she's now spiritual. And when people say, you know, will you come to my bar mitzvah or will you come to Christmas or bloody bloody blah, she will say, I cannot pray and I cannot do this material stuff. Instead, she will give you a blessing. There we go. 
That's transcendental meditation. So yes, we've both... we got to go over that in any more detail, <laughs> or are we uh, are we moving on to the next one? I I think we've both been rude enough about it, but yes, what I will say just to kind of tidy that up is the fact that yes, transcendent uh, transcendent. Oh, I can't even say it now. Uh, transcendental um, meditation is about changing the way that your body and your mind work, recalibrating yourself um, to be apparently better in tune with the universe. I don't know how much I believe about the last bit, um, but, you know, it works well enough for the Buddhists to go and mummify themselves. So I'm totally okay with them doing that if that's what they want to do. Um, What I struggle with is, is Candice and Karen lecturing me about their belief system that they've had for less than a year um which is that the only time that was the time that they were doing <laughs> from some scammer over <laughs> they there literally bought if you're in india Chris, <laughs> i've heard that you go in to see a, a guru or something and you look around where the gurus are speaking and that and it's a full of white people and that is a fake i heard that if you go out on the outskirts of town to places where all the locals go, that's where you find the real yeah. ones. Exactly. Well, it's the same as Chinatown, isn't it? You don't go into a restaurant in Chinatown unless there are Chinese people in this it. This is very true. Because otherwise, you know that you're you're having English food. Like, that's just what it is. <laughs> One of these buffet places that everybody loves. Anyway, um, we've digressed again. So yes, transcendental, uh, tra- uh, yeah, transcending meditation. Transcendental uh, meditation, yes. the art of ascension. Yeah. Chris. I can't if say. If you it. master the art of transcendental art of meditation, right, that was uh, discovered back in 1958 <laughs> 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 by Guru Dev, <laughs> will you <laughs> ascend? Well, you'll probably go upstairs easier because you don't eat stuff. But I'm looking at Maharshi Yogi in the picture on Wikipedia, and he looks ever so happy. He looks in a state of bliss, Chris. I mean, it's much okay. like what maybe. I hear about the other people that go away. If they don't go to India, maybe they go somewhere else to, you know, I don't know, teach some tribal culture the meaning of teamwork or something <laughs> on their gap years, because, again, you know the time. I don't. And um, they go and take copious amounts of drugs, which are legal over there, uh, ayahuasca and the like, and then they come back and they've uh, reached a stage of enlightenment because they've got to the lobby of the (laughs) building that we've been all working in on the top floor for a very long time. They say, I found this place. I feel at one with everything. I feel at one with everything. I am everything. And you say, that's great. What have you been up to there? <laughs> well, I am everything. Yeah, that's great. What are you going there to do? Well, <laughs> I've just, I'm there. I'm everywhere. It's like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, that's the lobby. Yeah, you go through the lobby and then you go to the floor and the department <laughs> that you want to actually do some shit about on, right? You know, you're just going to the lobby and thinking that's super cool because there's a fountain in the lobby and a candy machine. And you're using drugs to get there. <laughs> you ain't even getting there yourself. 
<laughs> eight. We can we can expand on that in a sec. What's the last well, one? Well, the next one, because we've got several more crests. There's. Oh, we're only on number really? seven now. Number seven's progressive relaxation, also known as body scan meditation, which is basically yoga, from what I can tell. This form of meditation <laughs> involves slowly tightening and relaxing one muscle group at a time throughout the body, like the cat-cow, basically. When my back plays up, I get on all fours, and I do my cat-cow, and then it kind of loosens everything up. My lats feel much better after having done that. <laughs> and uh, I don't call it meditation. I'm focusing on the mind-muscle connection. Yeah, I'm thinking about what muscle am I working, where am I stretching it. Great, yeah. But I wouldn't really call it meditation. Obviously, Healthline, they do. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have nine. They'd only have eight, wouldn't they? Or realistically, Both. probably three. But I think... I think health. I think Healthline is really more trying to be the Wikipedia yeah. of health. So I think it's trying to cover what's what's there. Unfortunately, right. I'm skipping that. Okay. It's yoga. Next number eight. My favourite number. Loving kindness meditation. Loving kindness meditation is used to strengthen feelings of compassion, kindness, and acceptance towards oneself. And others. I think this is what we got What's taught that? at sociopath school. When they take you away from regular school and they say, all of you people are going to grow up wrong. And so we got to teach you how to behave and live in society. And they taught us this thing whereby you switch your emotions on and you think about things from another's perspective. You see, I'm thinking it's kind of like that. Loving kindness meditation. When I remember doing it, it did have some sort of gooey kind of a name like that and you're supposed yes. to like feel stuff but in actually like a physical sensation it's like an internal thing you know like okay. a, a warm gooey substance I feel, from I what i can tell and then it goes with words like okay, love I feel... and you know compassion and that i can do it sometimes but i'm not okay, at a high I... level with that Okay, I'm already feeling a bit sick. Can we move on to the next so one, the please? the last one is visualisation meditation, which is a technique okay. focused on enhancing feelings of relaxation, peace and calmness. I'm pretty sure we have that in one or two of the others as well. So this is really dragging it out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the one where you imagine the ocean. Yes. And then you... Um, and you get calm. With this practice, it's important to imagine the scene vividly and use all five senses to add as much detail as possible. Okay. I thought there were more senses than five. Well, there are many, but I don't think people are used to using those. Anyway, okay. Now you can get back to slagging everything off again. Well, that's not um, what the people come here for. Do you think they come here to listen to us slag other is... practitioners or... Really? Yeah, they do. Let's let's face it. That's what they're on the Patreon for. Um, okay, so visualization, I think, is one of those ones that we need to kind of unpack a little bit more, um, and then kind of a, a bit more about active medita meditation. I always do that. 
Have you noticed whenever I say active meditation, I say active medication? Yeah. Is that the medication you're on now? Is it becoming active? Possibly. Is it like hypnosis? Because we haven't gone into Possibly. hypnosis either. Are you hypnotised to activate the medication Maybe. when you need it? Maybe. So yeah, visualisation has its uses. Again, it should be the building blocks. You should be progressing beyond it, I think is the kind of focus that needs to happen. Is that it's a it's a skill that can be useful. But equally, if you're not good at it, doesn't mean oh you're all suddenly going to be a shit a shit psychic or a shit witch because you can't visualise well. There are other ways of doing it. Uh, I just find that visualisation often gives people a head start if they've got a re if they're really capable of seeing with their mind's eye it doesn't mean it's the only way um but i i know that a lot of people struggle um with their kind of sometimes struggle with their manifestation only because they judge themselves for not being able to do it i think and that becomes the block rather than it being an actual di you know disability dare i use the word of not being able to do it um and therefore that you know i think it's more a confidence thing i think when you start to see things and you start to use your visuals i think that's where people gain the confidence about what they're doing and how that impacts their manifestation work what i won't say is it's essential and i think you can do just as much with the other senses as you can um you can i find the sense of smell and sense of taste are just just as important if not more important than their their vision um like i've often said before i switch my vision off most of the time because it's it's it's, it's distracting it's irritating um and i don't feel you can always trust it um i think a, <laughs> i think a smell or a taste is harder to disguise um, because they're senses that belong primarily to human humankind. And I feel that it's actually more difficult for spirits to replicate those. Um, manipulating the visual cortex and actually seeing um, is, I think, is a lot easier to manipulate. Bearing in mind why we do so much um, glamour magic, for God's sake. Like, you know actually bending light and changing the way our eyes receive information is probably some of the easiest magics to do. Um, actually distracting someone with a smell that's not there is a little bit more difficult um, because I think it's a trigger of memory, a much better trigger of memory than sight is. So what about hypnosis and hypnotherapy? Because that's kind of like guided meditation, isn't it? You hear about, oh, get yourself in a calm state, blah, 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 blah. Oh, look, you're calm now. Empty all of your pockets of all your money and give them to me and then don't remember, you know. So... What's all this about? Because they do say, I read a book on hypnotism, written by a hypnotist that teaches how to hypnotise and stuff. And it did say about how 
you can't hypnotize someone to do something that they wouldn't normally do anyway. So if someone has a capacity for murder, you could hypnotize to just go and murder someone by planting the right, you know, things in their brain. Um, but if you had a really passive person that really didn't believe in that, would never do that, then you wouldn't technically be able to hypnotize them. I'm not too sure how far I would go with that because I know that it's easier to hypnotize people that are yeah. easily led, but also people that are, um, what is it? I want to say bitches, but what are you supposed to call them? <laughs> Subs, that's it, submissive people. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, people that are susceptible to suggestion. Um, the weak-minded. Um, my issue with that, which is that not the, the weak-minded, you know, fuck those people. Um, but the part that I was, you know, this idea that you... Um, you can uh, um, you can't get somebody to do something they wouldn't normally do. I think is uh, bollocks. And the main Chris, reason I say that hypnotist. is because not a witch. Oh, okay. Because okay. I've seen okay. with I was having this conversation the other day with someone I can't remember who it is, but I was saying about obviously techniques with regards to mind manipulation. So hypnotists obviously will plan and they'll get deep in into your unconscious and they'll put a seed in there. And I was saying, well, because this person wants to do a similar thing. And I said, we're not going to hypnotize them, but you're going to work on the same approach. Because what you want to do is you want to sum up all of the things that you want them to do in a very small word or a couple of words. So if you want them to not be your manager anymore and that then you could sow something like retire 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 but what it needs to do is it needs to come from them because their mind has to accept it a bit like that film inception their mind has to accept it and the more complicated it is the less able the unconscious mind is able to really understand what the fuck you're programming to do whereas something repetitive the simple it will start to fill in the story and fill in the blanks. So if you tell them, retire, retire, they'll start to think, retirement, I need to retire, I need to retire, and that kind of thing. And then they'll start looking for that kind of thing. Obviously, hypnotists, okay. they do it in front of you by putting you in a state that you're suggestible in, which is they take a different approach yeah. because they're dealing directly normally with the pathway between the physical body and the astral. Sometimes I'll do it in the astral, but it's normally around about there that they intercept. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm still thinking these are hypnotists that must be shit because, for my for my understanding uh, and my way of looking at it, as far as I'm concerned, yes, you could say people will only do what they are capable of doing. Um, that's easy to say if you're a Victorian hypnotist, because their capacity for what is possible is a lot lower. The reason for that is they don't have television and YouTube, where they've spent hours and hours watching horror movies, watching every way you could possibly kill a person. 
someone in the Victorian period, unless they've actually learned how to kill people or really worked on it themselves, they're not likely to have that in their memory banks. However, we spend our entire time bombarded by popular culture and uh, movies and all these kind of things to actually go, well, actually, I've probably seen it on movies enough time for me to have thought about it. And to have thought about it is all the gateway you really need for what someone is capable of. Because I think morals are fairly flexible these days. I'm not going to like people don't have this strong moral authority that they would have had in Victorian we period where they've been conditioned to have press. so. We live in a fallen world according you to know? my dad. The Christians say we are living in a fallen okay. world and that we are all sinners. These are the end times. Did you know this? The end times, I say. Oh. Am I? I think I'm early then, because I don't think I was supposed to end anything anytime no, soon. No, it's the next one. It, don't worry, it don't end. Oh, it okay. End. That's next life, it'll end. And okay. even then, it's, just, say, I'm it, not here. it's not as exciting as what I think the Christians would have you believe. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not on the clock this time round. No. So, somebody else doing it? Or is that why it's not going to work? Well, I'm thinking that's why there's a delay. I think it's just the warm-up round, isn't it? Okay. I've got to remember why these bodies feel. Okay, that's fine. Carry on. So the workaround for this technically, I think, where they when they tried to do research on this, was, okay, we can program you via hypnotism to go out and murder your family, but what we can do is plant the image of, okay, you're not a murderer, but your sister and your father and your mother and granny and granddad are all French sticks. And we're having a party and you need to cut up the French sticks ready to make sandwiches. <laughs> and of course, because that is kind of how the mind works, all it sees is French sticks. And then you're programming it with, to see a French stick and cut it up. And then even if it's sawing off arms and stuff, it doesn't actually see that. They did something similar yeah. like that on The Mentalist, that TV show I used to watch. Brilliant series. I know you didn't like it, but I thought it was hilarious. Um, and they hypnotised... I just found it repetitive. They hypnotised someone. So it was a hypnotist that was hypnotising people with murder and stuff, and he wasn't hypnotising them to murder. What he was doing is he was doing the killing, I think, because he was a serial killer from what I remember. And then what he would do is he'd hypnotise them to think that the um, dead body was a sack of potatoes. And then he'd drag the sack of potatoes along into the um, police station and say, <laughs> I've got your potatoes. And then they'd immediately like arrest him. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's got a dead body. There's a trail of blood with blood soaked <laughs> Uh, bag and then it's got a chopped up dead body in there and then they're like it was clearly you it's clearly yeah. you and he's like what do you not like potatoes <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that's probably why i didn't like it because i would have done something like that probably so how would one go about doing something like that from the comfort of their own lair <laughs> No need to get the Batmobile out. Of... You can just stay at home in we your don't need lair, to get the Batmobile and out. you can focus on the person. How would you go about doing that? Because a lot of the times the puppets 
we've normally teach the beginners to use the puppets and to put the faults in the puppet's head in that. So would yeah. that be the approach you would take? Or what it's about not, someone it's that's not the more approach I would on, take, but it's on where... an intermediate level then, as opposed to a beginner that needs all the physical stuff to work with the spell to get it right? So if you're moving beyond that, then obviously this would be the most obvious way to do it would be astral work, in which case, um, you know, actually planting the, the, the seed of the thought process directly into that person's head. This gets a little bit trickier if you're dealing with another witch, um, depending on how advanced they are themselves. Um, if they're one of these, you know, chocolate teapot kind of Wiccans, then, then obviously you're not going to have a problem. But, you know, if um, if you're dealing with an actual witch that's got some some fight in them, then obviously you're going to have to find a reach around around that. Um, so with that part, I would probably go for the middleman, which is a kind of dreamscaping, so that they think it's their idea. Um, if you can't get past their, their astral defences, um, but it really depends on how hard you want to work at it. The other one is always, you can always outsource, uh, which is how most people do it these days. Subcontractor, getting a spirit to do it. Look up in the magic book, which spirit does mind manipulation and that, and then I pay the spirit to do it for you. The dreamwalking thing could be quite fun, because that is literally like you're in the film Inception then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and that with it it just depends on how good you are at bending someone else's dream reality um i find it's a lot simpler to do it that way than necessarily to go in the astral but that's only because otherwise you've got to get too up close and personal and i'm not so keen on that um to get that kind of access in the astral um you're going to either have to bring their astral to somewhere where you can work or you're going to have to go to them. And to me, I find that a lot of effort. Whereas to kind of, you know, go two doors along um, in the dream world is a lot easier to kind of, you know, knock through a wall um, and redecorate. So, but that's, it really depends on how, how what your ability is and where, where how much energy you're willing to expend on such a task. Um, I think people don't tend to think about the the kind of energy economics of it, no. do they? And you kind of go, they start with an idea that they like rather than going, how much energy have I got to spend? Like, you know, and actually thinking, what's on my budget? Because I ain't got time. Um, whereas I guess we tend to approach things down from that perspective of how much time and energy am I willing to waste on this project? Um, and making the decision based from that end. Whereas most people will kind of go, I've got this really cool idea. I'm going to do this, this and this. I'm going to use this puppet, these ingredients, and I'm going to do this. And you're kind of like, okay, that sounds big. Does it need to be that big? You know, how many times have we had those conversations with, with mentees going, okay, that seems like a lot of energy. Do you really need to spend that much energy? Is there not a more economic way of you doing that? But they're so fixated on the plan, the master plan, um, because they think they're so di diabolical, 
um, that you kind of you then have to kind of piece them away and I find that's more difficult because people don't think about you know spell economics so I think the last thing we really need to discuss because I think this is a question I don't think this is a question we've had but I think this is a question that people would like to ask if they worked out how to ask it and that is um, okay. Like we did with The Witch Wars 2, when you do the scrying and that, and you were doing the psychic stalking, you were seeing things and all that sort of thing. And definitely with Witch Wars 4, this might also come into play. Um, when does it go from meditation to astral projection and you are seeing something as opposed to your mind making it up? So is this just bullshit that my mind's visualising? Or is this actually a scene that I'm seeing from back in the day when I was uh, looking at Vera Atkins in the office? Is that real? Was that the thing? Or is it just a construct in my head that my mind's putting together in order to give me rough ideas as to what's going on? So how do people tell when you go from one to the other? I think it often comes down to, I don't know about you, but it often comes down to the effort that's required. Okay. If the images are coming at you effortlessly, I find that that's probably the first kind of trigger point of saying, okay, I'm I'm not clever enough to have thought this up. And I don't mean that directly. I mean, in a sense of my brain doesn't work quick enough for me to have invented this entire world in this second. Um, because our, there is always a transition point that's required. Um, what I think people fail to do on the kind of AP front is they spend all the time on the visualisation and not enough on the other senses. Yeah. So I try and get people to actually feel what their um astral body feels like what what is what does it feel like it looks like do you know that kind of is it heavy does it does it is it easy to move in what does it smell like you know what what can you taste how does the the air feel as it enters your body in that in that extrasensory space you know, is it lighter or is it more heavy than the, the world you're currently in? Um, and actually you engaging all their senses rather than just their sight. I think it's far too easy to convince yourself and the process of APing when, um, you, when you focus on the visual. Okay, that's interesting. Because I think of it in terms of what body I'm in. So... People worry about, oh, wow, I'm seeing, okay, I've started doing this crying and I am actually starting to see things now. Things are coming into my mind, but is it real? Am I just making that up? What is it? And then you kind of think, well, okay, it's worked out. Okay, I did foresee that. I saw that it was happening. Okay, I wasn't there, but I saw it come into my head. That car accident did happen. That person did do that thing, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, I'm kind of going along with it because it worked. 
But when you think about, okay, how deeply are you falling into that? And we've got the perspective of the house, conscious mind, garden, kind of dreamy state, and then astral world outside. It's really a case of, you know, if you are, or I know, I'm sat in the chair now, and if I was to close my eyes and pull in things, I know I'm still sat in the chair. My mind's coming with things, almost like recalling a memory, but I know that I'm still in the chair. So I know that that is light, kind of trans, transient state. Um, that's not astral projection. If I'm in a dream, my dream state and dream body is very different to astral projection. So if I'm actually projecting, I know that my body is completely different. I know that everything is extremely crisp and ultra high definition. And I can pick up scents and sounds millions of miles away, all of that sort of thing. I know because I've done it enough times to get a feel for what that is like. So. But that's your, but that's your muscular recognition in, in a spiritual yeah. sense. When they first start doing that, people focus fo solely on what they can see. And I think that's where they confuse themselves because they just go from, well, OK, well, this looks the same as when I'm dreaming. Yes, but how does it feel? What can you hear? What can you taste? Like you said, all those things that you experience regularly should be starting to appear in in the first mm. steps of APing, not the million miles away but at the same time should be able to go okay well if i focus i should be able to hear that that hotel block over there i should be able to smell that um that sewage pipe that just exploded two towns over like you should be able to manipulate those senses easier than when you are in your physical mm. body. And with the psychic impressions generally, I think when people start to get psychic impressions and start to pull in the information on that, it gets more and more specific, but it's a psychic impression and people confuse getting a psychic impression with actually seeing the thing. So I've got people to, when we did the Vera um, thing, visualize the building she works in right or visualize the the uh inside of the building and they got it but then they tried to do some research and they're like well that cabinet in there that window somewhere different and i said but what building are you in oh well i'm in an office i was like well this is the point you're not supposed to be that's the important yeah, you're not supposed to be looking at the actual office what you're doing is your mind is taking you and building a construct of an office. It's saying you're in an office because a lot of the psychic impressions are kind of like summaries and shorthand. It's, if you wanted yeah. the real deal yeah. to like really experience something through history or to really experience something in the future and go into that level of detail, you'd probably be going and doing that astrally because you would actually be able to go and see it then by astral projection. But and what you're really talking about is the psychic impression, your mind using its dictionary of objects, concepts, things to pull a scene together. And it might be a moving scene, 
with flavours and sounds and tastes and you know all that sort of stuff but it is still a scene that is only being generated by the things that is already in your mind because your mind has to use the dictionary that it has in order to make you yeah. understand it yeah and this is what people i think struggle with is the fact that it is it is um it's a symbiosis so it's it's a you you are needing to understand it yeah well obviously if you don't know what a sextant is it's no point showing you one what it would need to show you is something that went oh okay this is this is something that um this is something i've seen in an um a basic a basic chemistry class or a basic astronomy class it needs to take you you need to see stars or you need to see a map you know, because you'd understand what a map is. You don't necessarily know what a sextant is. So, you know, it's kind of, it. people forget that that language, that that psychology of your, or of your subconscious mind is what's required. Those images, the signifiers, need to tell you a story and they need to tell you it all quickly. Um, you know, my favourite ones that I always give an example at is... I remember seeing a psychic once and she was proper freaked out uh, because she was kind of like, OK, I don't understand why I'm getting this, but I hope this will make sense to you. And she goes, do you know, um, how do you know Prince Harry and, uh, and and Prince William? And I was like, I don't. But I know the reference that you're referring to. So, yeah. you know, it's a case of actually if she'd have said if she'd have said something else, she wouldn't have understood what she was seeing. What she needed to see was the reference that made sense to mm. me. It didn't make any sense to her, but it, it was enough for her to be able to describe. Well, she knows what Prince William and Prince Harry look yeah. like. Um, so those two references in her brain, uh, in her understanding, in her cognitive, is is required in order to actually pass that information over to you. Um, and I just think that, you know, that's a, a beautiful example for me whenever I try and explain this to somebody is well okay well you don't need to see what it actually looked like what you need to do is understand it those two things are very different well much of psychic readings involves actual reading because your people think yeah. oh, I'll go to the psychic because they have all of the answers and most psychics although they say they connect to a higher source and all that sort of thing very often most of them don't hence why they're not particularly good. If you've ever wondered why psychics don't progress very well with magic, it's because most of the time they don't progress because they're not dealing with higher sources. What they're doing is reading. What they're doing is they're able yeah. to tap into your unconscious mind and translate and read it. If I wrote a diary and then I blindfolded myself and then gave that diary to someone else, my friend, or stranger they might be able to make out some of my writing they might even if they're great be able to work out all of my writing but what they're doing is they're reading my symbology and the things that are coming to me because i can't see it because i'm blindfolded so a lot of the psychic yeah. that tends to work on the circuit particularly with psychic fairs and that that's why they always say the does this make sense to you and this is why we always try to get you to think, well, actually, 
there are other approaches that can get better results. So instead of tapping into, generally, they normally say, I'm tapping into spirit because I'm seeing the images. Well, not you're tapping into the person that's opposite you and their unconscious mind is what you're really doing. But obviously you can connect with things and you can use your own sight to go uh, investigating and the like. And because it's your dictionary and because it's your approach, you'll be able to get super accurate information because it's your language going in the direction that you want to go and find out the information you want. But that's probably uh, something that we could cover on the McDonald's Psychic episode. I think we're out of time now. Definitely. Gone over a bit, but I'm sure they'll forgive us. I'm sure they will. So that is it. Goodbye for another week. See you soon.